listening to The Running Public. From marathoners to mud runners, we all have the same goal. Get to the finish line faster. That's right. This podcast is for you guys, The Running Public. The button's been here. I pushed the button. The button's been pushed. How do we end up here, man? See this boom arm? See this beautiful it's boom cool. arm? It's beautiful. Courtesy of the Patreon members of Race Brain. Yeah, I think I'm cut off. You think you're cut off? From the Patreon money from Race Brain, I am. I'm cut off for sure. Didn't you just get a mic like last month? Yeah, and that had to be the last. The last. Oh. That was the the ribbon was snipped. I feel there. like you have founder's equity. No. No, no. It's a big step up, the boom mic. So I've had the boom mic mm. myself for maybe the last year, and it's really nice. Yeah, I'm I'm not used to it. But it is, and it's not, it's not where it's permanently going to be. I'm actually going to drill through my desk, I believe, because it's in a bad spot and it's not super secure right now. But I just wanted to get it up and running for today. But I think this is going to be an absolute borderline saying game changer for me in this small little space here, because otherwise mm-hmm. I have a bar stool and any number of uh, shoe boxes stuffed with things for sound deadening and then books on top of that as my mic holder and if i bump or kick it wobble it's sketchy this is going to be much 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 better and then anytime i need to move in here i have to move two bar stools out of the way to get to whatever i want and it's a very tight space as it is so now if i can just put this up out of the way life-changing i don't even think game changer is enough this is going to change the trajectory of my family for the next few generations (laughs) <laughs> uh, well i drilled mine into my desk and that's how it, it is nice. the most stable as well so you have to sacrifice a few holes in the wood but i think we'll be all right we uh we started to record folks with our guest and they had connection issues and we were just getting into the good stuff and then it kept disconnecting and so we always have a fallback plan for these friday episodes um we'll rebook that guest we're not going to spoil it now uh, so here we are, and we have a, a solid topic of conversation today, regardless. So instead of guests, you're getting us again, for better or worse. Here we are. Surprise. And in our, on our website, in our like sales pitch of how this show got started, like almost verbatim it is that we were having these conversations on the phone, and one day we just said, we should be recording this. Well, today is kind of a throwback episode to exactly the thing the type of thing we would have had a conversation with each other about with or without a podcast. And that is just our current Mm -hmm. exact thoughts on how we're thinking about training and what we're planning on experimenting with or trying in training over the course of this off season. This would be a, something I'd call Kirk or he'd call while he's driving back. Hey, here's what I'm thinking about right now. What do you think about this? And then 90 minutes later, He'd be like, all right, I've been in the parking lot at Menards for like 40 minutes. Jess is going to kill me. I got to go. And I'd be like, yeah, I should go parent. And then we'd move on. And that's what you're getting today. A brainstorming session on- Was I often episode. Was I often telling you I had to go in a Menards parking lot? Has that happened frequently? I think multiple times you've been in a parking lot. Not recently, no. But back when you were doing a lot of your home renovation. Yeah. yeah. Or tr- at the trailhead or whatever. I did Menards every day. Yeah. Trailhead for sure, Menards, or I get to the gym and I got to get out so I can go train people. But um, okay, well, I'm excited to chat about this because funny enough, I was having this conversation with clients, in-person gym clients of mine uh, this week about what the heck should I do? 
Like, mm-hmm. what should I do? I'm having a really hard time. I'm at like a six-way intersection and I don't know which direction to go. Yeah. The main is I took the main road to get to that intersection. So I, I have the main road being my fitness and now it's like, okay, I don't know what to do. And so it's actually been really top of mind for me. And then you clearly, you brought this idea up when our guest episode stopped working. So I know it's been top of mind for you. So mm-hmm. I'm actually due for this conversation, Bracken. I need, I need you right now. Yeah. So there's no show here. This is just purely self-driven interest right now. Self-interest driven. One of those two phrases is what this is. Probably neither uh, are correct. (laughs) However, why don't you set this conversation then? So so, um, you brought it up. So you've been thinking about it a little bit. I think you're at probably like a three-way street intersection or so right now. Yeah. um, Wanting to take all the roads. Right. So talk it out. Well, I guess to backtrack, my mindset going into last year was I wanted to do one of everything in 2023. I'd even said this at some point on the podcast. I want to do one of everything and find out in this current landscape of sport, where do I stand as a 35-year-old who hasn't been in shape and healthy at the same time in five years? And uh, spoiler alert. Can I pause you real quick? Yes. Can I pause it real quick? Yes. Does 35 years old matter? Is that a big part of this thought process? Because you made it a point to say at 35 years old. Yeah. Yeah, I think it Why, does. Is that a, is that factor in heavily? It, it factors in because when my, let's call this injury train started, I was right around 30, which as most men will tell you, 30 is about the time where speed, power, recovery starts to all change a little bit, but you can still get a lot better aerobically and anaerobically if you need to for a whole nother decade. But so I was approaching the second half of my prime in theory where I was going to start losing a bit of the sharp, a bit of the the fast twitch, a bit of the recovery ability, but was still looking down the barrel of I can keep extending out and getting better and stronger. And then I've not chained anything together from 30 to 35. And so looking at this year, last year, looking at this year was, okay, here I am five years later, I get to start testing out how true are all these things from my body. I'm not young in terms of an athlete, but I'm not even close to old yet. So what are the new rules for my body? Where does this all stack up? What works for me now that worked then and what do I have to do differently? So I wanted to do one of everything. I wanted to run a road mile, a 5k. I wanted to do all the way through an ultra on the trails. I wanted to do a Spartan sprint, super beast. I wanted to do a Decafit and a high rocks, get a sample of it all, find out what are my new rules for me as an athlete and where do, where do I even stand in this landscape? And I didn't really get to do any of that. Well, you did kind of. Ish, I partook in Maybe. some of those events, but my thought process was that I'm healthy. I'm going to just chain months together and that didn't happen. And so I really just got glimpses, but no definitive proof of anything. And so the easy thing would just be to roll that over to 2024 and I'm going to do one of everything. So that's like one way to go. The other is I'm excited about some things. I'd like to try that. But the overriding topic is actually what's going to win out. And I think that's probably... So for you, you have fitness. You've had continuity of training. You have your health. 
you get to decide what am I going after? So I think we're in two different spots, but we are both at a crossroads, mm-hmm. but for different reasons. Well, I have thoughts right off the bat for you. And okay. the reason that uh, the reason that I asked you about age, uh, why 35, you made it a point to say at 35, mm-hmm. is I don't think this is a surprise to any of our listeners, but age is actually the number one driving factor in my decision-making process as to what to pursue right now. Mm-hmm. Because for me, the clock is is ticking as far as top-end life PR potential, seeing the very crest of my fitness, right? I'm I'm on borrowed time. I mean, unfortunately, like I'll fight it like hell, don't get me wrong. But so for me, it actually is the leading factor in any decision I make. And so I just was wondering how heavily at 35 that factored in for you. You get what I'm saying? I do. And, And I think you're right. And from my perspective, coming out and having small little bits of success, just flashes of it. I ran one road mile in not great fitness but had a decent amount of success. And I ran a road, almost 800 meter race, 752 meters and had a decent enough performance that it told me I don't have old legs yet in terms of speed. I'm not quite as fast as I was at like 25, but I'm not significantly reduced from that. So I don't think I have to worry about that. Like I'm a totally changed athlete from a from like a ceiling of speed standpoint. And I see what most people are doing yourself, everyone in the history of OCR who won their world championships between 39 and 40, like you can get better for a long Mm -hmm. time. And so I don't feel the pressure of like the fire underneath me age-wise that I may be expected to feel. So from an age perspective, I'm actually more calm about Mm -hmm. it this year at 36 than I was last year at 35 because I got some reassurances this year. Like if I can run an 800 meter and ride around two flat, do I need more speed than that? No, you don't really as a runner. No, not even at all. Well, here's how I look at this whole thing. Mm-hmm. What's the, other than f- taking a plane or a rocket ship, I guess, you'll see where I'm going with this. What's the quickest way to get from New York to LA? Take the freeway, right? Mm-hmm. What would be the slowest way to get from New York to LA? Take the side roads and the gravel roads and the back mm-hmm. routes, right? It would take you a lot longer. The freeway is your run fitness. The quickest way to get better at anything along the way or quicker access the side roads along the way are to take the freeway. The freeway meaning whatever you need to do at all costs to get from point A to point B the most efficiently mm-hmm. is to still stay on the freeway. The freeway means build your run fitness. All the other tangents, county roads, other highways, side streets mm-hmm. are hybrid and cross training and this and that, but the freeway is still the answer if you care about an end result in any of the other things. And so no matter what I choose or no matter what you choose, I still think the centerpiece is that yeah. highway run efficiency development, right? You agree with that. So like, yeah. at least you can take care of like, if you're debating on which direction to go, what road to take, at least know at least 50% of that equation, no matter what you do needs to be and this is me talking to myself too, because I've just been talking this through my own head. It's like, take the highway. You need yeah. to build the highway. You need to build the run, right? So yeah. at least you have that, no matter what way you go, like that still needs to get better for you. You just ran 546 pace for a five mile and you're not happy with that, which means like your highway needs a little work. Lot, yeah, lot, lots of So at least that's simple work. that way. Yeah. 
And so this all brings yeah. me to what I'm thinking about in training right now and what I'm going to and what I currently am focusing on in week two now, you know, is for this off season build. It's not week two of training. I, I have like 17 or 18 weeks of what I would consider exercise slash training, but in week two of building towards what I want to be able to do in spring, I am putting a few things in motion. And the biggest one is a test of our belief that engine is engine. And the second one is that I need more work on the skill and the durability of running than I need work on my running engine. My engine needs work, but I don't think I can build all three concurrently right now, confident that I can stay healthy. So I am going to work on the skill of running, build durability, and really put to test the, our, our adage that engine is engine as long as you have the running skill to access it. So that would be my, like if I had to just have like a title for what I'm doing this off season, that's what it is. Running skill, running durability, engine building. Look at Parker Valby. Yeah. Prime example, running three days a week, but working for 90 minutes on the arc trainer working engine in between while staying efficient on her run days by hitting the quality sessions and the threshold work and the long yeah. run every week filling the gaps in between. So what would be your plan there? How, how do you accomplish that? What do you, let's split the hairs a little bit. Okay. So I'm a believer in threshold training. I don't think anyone who's listening to this podcast is going to be taken aback by that. There's no shock to that. I really like the idea of double threshold training. I also believe that I'm a very quick responder. I think there's a lot of different skills and talents an athlete can have and being a responder isn't necessarily paired with a level of ability, but it doesn't change the fact that you respond quickly to things. I, I believe I am a responder to stimulus. My ceiling still might be lower than someone else, but I can get there a lot quicker, which means I don't have to rush into doing big threshold runs, double threshold workouts, that kind of thing. But I do believe that I still need to build my engine much bigger than it is. But my skill of running at running has really dropped. So this is the last bit of preface work I'll do here. And then I'll talk about how I intend to, to execute this. But looking at my five-mile road race, what would you think would be an acceptable, for me, you kind of know me as a runner, average cadence for a five-mile race, race? Or like, what do you what do you? During ask? the race. I would accept anything 173 or above. All right. I was 170 on the, on the head average i did a six mile tempo yesterday two days mm -hmm. ago and i was 179 average mm -hmm. for my six mile tempo for example so i think there's room to work on that yeah and i and i used to, and i'm always on the lower end of cadence even when i was at my absolute best as a runner i would sit like 165 to 169 on my easy days on the trail however i'm only a beat above that in a road race and that includes like I closed my last mile like seven seconds ahead of what my overall pace was, which means my cadence rose for that. That 170 includes that, which means I spent a chunk of this race below 170. My skill at running has atrophied. And so that needs to be addressed. So the way I'm looking at this offseason is that I am going to build out, and this is what I've done, what is the perfect running schedule that involves some double threshold work, involves medium, long, and long runs, and the type of volume of training hours I'd like to hit. 
And then I removed all details out. So it only has the descriptor threshold workout, threshold workout, medium, long, long. And now I went back through and filled in how much do I think I could get away with doing on the machines instead of running. So certainly the Mm -hmm. PM of every workout, the double is a machine work. That's boom, done. And then how much frequency of running can I handle starting to think about that? And then if I'm going to run, I can do one and a half quality sessions a week. What is the shortest, least amount of time on feet at any one time or running version of that I can do? So that I'm not spending long durations without resetting my form. So the example is that yesterday I did 60-60 for an hour on the treadmill at threshold pace. 60-60 was not a typical threshold (laughs) running workout base. You would do that faster than threshold. I did it at threshold. So I could get 30 minutes of threshold work in, but I did it in like the smallest acceptable chunk so that I never ran poorly. I focused on perfect running and cadence Mm -hmm. for 60 seconds at a time. And then I reset, not because I needed a cardiovascular break or a muscular break, but because I needed to ensure that I was only practicing really good form. And then the goal would be to keep doing workouts like that as long as possible before extending it and making sure that I can only extend perfectly. And all of my longer threshold work has to be done on a machine for now so I can build the engine, but not do it using any form that I wouldn't want to use on race day. Like six directions. I want to go with this actually based on Well, I've been talking a lot, so I want you to explore all six. Well, first of all, do you know when your form isn't perfect in the moment? Do you, do you, you know? Uh, Okay. So you can, when I tune in, I realize it and then I can fix it, but I can't sustain it. Like during the race, I tried, I realized I'm lumbering, get it together. And I would start to do that. And instantly my effort and my discomfort would start to rise. It wasn't sustainable. I couldn't keep the type of form I should be keeping for long enough to see any improvement in my running. Cause it was too costly at the moment. Okay. Uh, well, first of all, just the semi poor analogy I made about the highway, like you are, you're, you're we're building your highway, right? That's definitely yeah. the the main objective to whatever you're doing, which is good, right? Then you can take any side street you'd like. Yeah. My question following that up initially is like, what are we working towards? And if you don't want to share specifically, right? Like what is in mind? Like in mind, you're saying I need to be a better runner. That's all this is about right now. Or is there some other factor in this? Just so I make sure there's other outside influences. Looking at any of the potential styles of races I enjoy doing. Let's start from like a really almost not running event, but has running like a high rocks or a deca and then moving up towards Spartan supers and beasts and sprints and then road 5k, 10k trail marathon, ultra stuff like that. I need to have an engine that can race 30 minutes to two hours at a red line. The ability to run, if need be, like a metronome, effectively down to 30 minutes and effectively up to two hours. And from there, you can branch. Like if you have that one hour to two hour race fitness and stride fitness, you can branch into anything you want. So I think that before having to decide what type of race I'm doing, if the Bracken Crocker, who I know as an athlete, arrives like by the end of summer, maybe with an hour to two hours on any given day of race durability and fitness, then I can pivot to any race I want with not a ton of time to train for it because I respond well, but it's getting to the point where I can trust an hour to two hours of metronome race fitness in training and with health and with just reliability. That's the chore. 
So I want an hour to two hour engine of redlining. That's what I want. Got it. I use the phrase like sock in the tailpipe. Like what is the sock in your tailpipe preventing your car from running as well as it could or performing Mm -hmm. as well as it should at anything that you care about. And the sock in your tailpipe right now would be like your run fitness isn't where it has been in the past and it needs to improve and everything's going to go smoother, right? And my mechanics, honestly, as they say, okay, mechanics, but that they go hand in hand a bit. Yeah. 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 One leads to the other, but I think one of the downsides of uphill treadmill training, which I've done a lot of, is that you don't really have to focus on form and things can degrade and erode and they have. And so you can build up an engine that your stride can't support out on the road or the track or wherever. I think it's part of the reason I did much better in Michigan off-road than I can do in high rocks or on the road right now is because your form doesn't matter through a swamp. Only your engine matters. Whereas running a monotonous stride was very costly to me. Right. Right. So what kind of feedback, what, what would be helpful to paint the clear, the picture clear, like confirmation that this, this makes sense and this is the right thing to do or like open to exploring other ideas or like, where's your head at with that? Well, I'm at the place right now where I just hit my second biggest last seven day average at 34 miles. So I'm at the point of frequency of running that anything I do is going to make me better on all fronts. The more I run, the better my form is going to get. The more I run, the better my speed and endurance is going to get. So it's all it's all free right now. And so even if I'm really off base on this, I'm going to improve for a while. But I've run 5K time trials each of the last few Januaries. And it'd be nice to run one off of pure run skill work and run volume and frequency. I'm trying to run as frequently as possible right now. Even if it's just 30 or 40 minutes yep. in the morning and then get on the machines at night. But I'd like to run some testing in January, having strung together 10 or 12 weeks and say, okay, I can now do the same test as I did last year, but with a higher cadence at the same heart rate or with better form at the same heart rate, or I can just do it faster. That would be first check-in for me. Mm. We should maybe get together to do that. We can, okay. that can be a separate conversation. The tricky thing, like, so if I were to take a step back and look at this, there's two things that actually are tricky not tricky, but stand out to me if I were in your shoes. Mm -hmm. One, it's a blessing and a curse to be a fast responder, in Mm -hmm. my opinion. Yeah. I think fast fast responders also have a more narrow window of good performance. Mm -hmm. So as quickly as you can fall into peak fitness or improved fitness, all of a sudden, three weeks later, you can be on the other side of that peak and be like, crap, my window... You won't realize it until it's too late. But for me, I'm a fa- I'm a very quick responder as well. And I notice my window doesn't last very long. Like mm-hmm. if I'm really trying to peak or run well, some people can hold it all season. And I could with very purposeful holding back of certain types of workouts. So yeah. one, you have to take into account like being a fast responder is great, but practicing self-restraint in that um, build is actually really important for you. Yeah. The second thing. Because it would be for me. And then the second thing is, if you go back and you look at the best run fitness you've had in the past, of course, we need to use that as a a framework for how we mm-hmm. maybe approach at least a starting point to building again. You go back and you say, okay, well, if I add up all my time and aerobic work back then, albeit mm-hmm. it was all running, what was I doing? Nine hours of aerobic conditioning per week or whatever what it mm-hmm. was. Nine to 10. And then 
I hate to say it, but, and I know, you know, nine to 10. Okay. And so it's like, can I carve out nine to 10 hours a week right now? Albeit only four are running. Does that mean I need to spend five to six hours in cross training modalities? Yeah. So I can at least be putting the time of aerobic metabolic output so that when my running increases, my engine is already there to match my efficiency. And so those are the two components I look at is one fast responders. So you need to hold back with like the type of running you do, but at the same time, filling all the time with aerobic work that you believe it takes to improve quick and be your best. So I assume both of those are part of your equation and I can see you're looking at something. So you want to give me some info, but that's where my head first goes. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's I can run as frequently as I can healthfully sustain, but I have a time that I need to hit for the day and for the week. And that just has to be done now because I had a convers. I've had two phone conversations with Hunter McIntyre in the last week, which are always like, I don't know what he gets out of us chatting, but I always leave inspired or having had a revelation and I talked with him and then I talked with James Kelly two weeks ago. I don't know if you're aware of him. He's an Australian uh, high rocks athlete who's now like a top 10 guy in the world. And then I talked Mm -hmm. with uh, Matt Gross. And then I talked with um, another gentleman who I won't name right now because we haven't quite worked out what our relationship is going to be. But all of these gentlemen were training so much more frequently than I am. And they were all adding in work on top of the work I would do and then say, all right, I'm tired. Good day. They finish it, rest a bit, and then add aerobic work on top of it. And sometimes it's running and sometimes it's biking, but they, they're just doing more. And as I'm listening to all of them talk, there's only so many times you have to hear it before you realize I have a ton of holes in my schedule, a ton of gaps. And so that's, that's my goal now is not goal. That's my mandate right now, which is being done with that part of the workout doesn't mean your day's done. It's like last night we got, I did 60, 60 for an hour yesterday. And then last night was Braden's race league night. We got back from that make sure everyone had dinner. And then I went downstairs to the rower and did five by thousand on the rower. Total time was like 20 minutes from the time I stepped into the basement till the time my final rep ended. That cost me nothing out of my day. I didn't wake up today any more depleted other than maybe like my hamstring insertion point because it's a little weak right now and rowing flares that up when I get tired. So it helped me. It's working on an area and it cost me 20 minutes. Were you hit working pretty hard? Getting no. above threshold or near it? I was right around See, just underneath threshold. Underneath it for sure. I was trying to hold like 159 to 202 the entire way and just breathe and keep the stroke rate at like 26 to 28 per minute. Just like casual, but putting out a little bit. Got to put out a little bit. A little bit. So what I think, a little, yeah, put out a little bit. Um I don't know. I feel like I know you pretty well as an athlete, although we're both sort of like still developing, right? Our own. Yeah. Like we're still learning. I'm certainly learning, but just hearing, knowing the the fast responder, knowing we need to work efficiency work, knowing more time should be put in, but you can't run all of that time yet. All those equations, it's like, God, if I, if I were coaching you, it would be like, give this guy a good bit of non-flashy running. Like go get Mm -hmm. some time on feet regularly, just like you said, 
keep your run work to on the threshold side of things. It's going to prevent you from peaking too soon because as mm-hmm. soon as you add speed work, you start to pop. And then if you want to hit your VO2 max work to make sure the top end of your aerobic capabilities are accessible, go and rip eight by 500 meters on the rower and let your heart rate get as high as it freaking wants or 20 mm-hmm. cals on the assault bike or whatever it is. And so threshold work on the running, work on extending your long runs. And then once or twice a week, you're thrown in that second session of just like inside out cross train interval sessions so that at least when the running meets your engine, it's like, it sort of falls into peace. And that's how you pop suddenly three week, three months after training like that. You're like, I'm only running 40 miles a week. Then you go out there and outperform or outkick your coverage somehow in a race or something. People are like, how is he doing that? Be like, I can tell you I'm doing that. All my pieces have been, all my arrows are sharp. That's yeah. how you had a quiver yeah. full of sharp arrows. I don't know. That's what, that's what I'm sure you're thinking the same thing. It's not like I'm revolutionizing your training, but uh, where is your head at in regards to that? Is I assume that's similar to what you're thinking. Yeah, it's making sure I slow play things, but stick to what has proven to work for me, engine building wise. Like looking back, like you said, when have I been my most fit? I look back at all of them. Very rarely was I doing more than once every other week intervals that were shorter than three and a half to five minutes. I'm generally doing five to six minute intervals. I'm doing another session where I'm doing like 10 to 15 minute intervals, and then I'm doing a grindy session. And at least two of those three have, have a hill component. And so that's what I get to stick to now, except on the machines, like five by thousand. Yeah. Those aren't super short, but they're not super long yet. The next one will be, I would say I'll probably just balance it out with just a straight five or four K tempo on the row, get some grindier stuff in and keeping the running quality as skill work at threshold work on running perfectly Mm -hmm. work Mm -hmm. on running perfectly Mm -hmm. work on running perfectly and then start to extend it a little bit but making sure that i can run very frequently that's always my key i i think i could be the type of runner that could just do three quality workouts a week and do all the rest on machines but i think i'm better as a runner when i run more frequently It doesn't have to be crazy, but running more like five to seven days a week with one less quality day is better for me. I think people who respond quickly Mm -hmm. get out of rhythm quickly and I need to stay in rhythm with running, but it means not reaching for as long as humanly possible and using the machines key phrase there and the uphill work to build out the, the engine and just trust that engine is engine. If the skill is there on running, I feel like let's say you're trying to court a woman. And you're trying way too hard to get noticed. You're trying way too hard, right? Does it ever work out? But when you let it happen, you don't rush it. Step back when appropriate. Work your charm when it makes sense. But slow play. Don't play all your cards right away. Generally, odds are better, right? Instead of all in, smothering over the top, with everything like it will come to you is what i'm saying mm-hmm. if you give it the opportunity to grow right and so i could not agree more with that um i wanted to add that you also respond really well when you work your long runs up i just wanted to remind you of that yeah when you started to get two three hour efforts in suddenly you just pop yep somehow yeah and that'll be the balancing act right now is that i don't know how much i trust of that and so i'm going to be doing a lot of 90 minute to start try to like weekly at least one 90 minute run, if not two, and then extending. There's plenty right now. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I, 
stain powers everything for me because i've never once been in a race where it's like i can't run fast enough to run with these people it's no i get dropped because i can't sustain with people that's my key so and then then the final pieces and this will answer some of the questions i had been really thinking i was going to do a hybrid off season get ready for for a spring high rocks or deca and i've just come to the conclusion that that works at odds with what i'm trying to do even though I'm, I'm like face value, it doesn't. That's a ton of machine work. That's a ton of sled work. Like that's engine building. But a lot of the running is compromised and compromised running is too easy to do from an engine standpoint rather than a skill standpoint. It's too easy to run poorly while you're running compromised to just thrash at it. And I want all my running to be pristine yep. for a while. And then there'll be time for that later. But I don't think it's spring for me. I don't think that's the season for high rocks for me right now, unfortunately. But uh, that's just, if I want to do this correctly, why, again, why reach? Why try to do, why try to grab too much? I'm, compromise running is probably going to be there like once every six quality sessions or something like that, just to stay in touch with it. But I don't need a lot of that right now. Even though I love it and I'd want to do nothing but, I, I have to earn that by being good at running. Yeah. Stay on the highway for a little longer. Yeah, I, I had a conversation with an athlete. It's our first five or six months together, and his first Spartan races um, were this fall. We worked towards them. We did three months of foundational run work. I said, "Let's build a base. Uh, let's make sure we're good there, and then we'll get to the transition carry OCR compromise work." And he straight up said to me in our call um, on Tuesday this week, he said, "Now that we've done this, he's like, I think we just eroded my running, and I actually." I sure are the obstacles that all comes. That's an arrow I have in my quiver. I have a rock climbing background. I realized like as soon as we pivoted, my progress stopped. And then mm. I didn't, I felt the best when we just were running my rock climbing, my arrow, your quip, your arrow or your quiver is full of the speed arrow, right? Like mm -hmm. you can go and do quick, sharp, cutty stuff and bursty stuff because that's who you are. And this gentleman rock climbed, like real rock climbed his whole adult life. Right. Mm -hmm. And so he's like, we don't need to do that stuff. I think if anything, maybe one or two weeks, but like same exact thing. Like he just need to stay on the highway. It's going to move him forward the fastest. And so yeah. I look at you a lot the same way. It's, it's always come back to that. My curiosity as a follow-up question is um, we haven't, we've talked less about back in the day uh, recently. Mm -hmm. And I think we do that on purpose now, but um, with your biggest fitness in the past, OCR fitness, did you even think about how good you were running or did you just do the work and do the running and you didn't even, you were, you not in a place to be thinking about all of this? Uh, I had both actually, when I was, before we went to Colorado, I was already having a lot of success in OCR and I was running decent times still <clears throat> like the, the year I trained for Killington and took third in Killington at the Spartan world Ch world championships. I ran a one fifty seven eight hundred meters indoor that year. Like that, oh. that's not a world-class time, but for a, like a 25 year old teacher, you know, a dad, one fifty-seven on an indoor 200 meter track is pretty quick. And so I was very aware of my yeah. times. I was running a lot more. I was coaching tracking, helping with cross country. I was running with the team. I was doing a lot more of that type of work and I was doing a lot of sharper stuff. So I knew my running and I cared about my metrics. But when we went out to Colorado, I quickly learned I cannot care about metrics and I'm going to do a bunch of stuff in the mountains anyway. So I cared about time from rep to rep, workout to workout. Like I had my gold camp reservoir 
uh, that's where I first started doing shoots and ladders. And I knew to the second what I had run the week before on each and how much I degraded rep to rep. And so I, ke- I kept track of time. And every time I did the incline, I kept track of that, but it wasn't pace. It was just this route was this, and now I'm doing it in that. And I just like that gold okay. camp reservoir was always right around 11 minutes for up and down. That was an 11 minute threshold rep. Now those five by 11 minutes there is what I worked up to over the season. That's a, that's a big grindy workout more than it's a sharp stingy one, even though the uphill at altitude feels stingy and the, the inclines a 20, I was doing 24 to 25 minutes doing threshold stuff on the incline. That's, that's a long grindy rep. So two out of every three workouts, my intervals weren't shorter than double digits. And I think that's, that was really important to be able to extend past an hour in racing for me. Yeah. I think if, if anybody listening, like if you want to be able to do it all or be ready to get off the highway and take your first side street, it's like, get yourself ready to race for an hour and feel confident that you could put out, you could put out sustained effort for an hour with prediction. Like I can go out and run seven minute pace for an hour. And I feel really good about that. The rhythm I'm in, the predictability of that. The variability from a good day to a bad day on a good day. Maybe I could run 57 minutes on a bad day, be 62 or something. Who knows? But like, I think you get yourself to a place where you feel confident in an hour. I could go out and run a 10 mile road race. Let's say, for example, for Mm -hmm. you with some confidence, I think that's the time then you can start getting off, getting off the highway to keep going back to that analogy and then picking a more direct or more specific route. Yeah. So it's funny you say that because I think 2013 was the first time I had a conversation with someone about like, what is the ideal run fitness to bring to the trails and the OCR? And I think I talked with Megita about it. I talked with Hobie about it, all these people. And we all kind of agreed that if you were in nasty 10 mile shape, you were set up to do whatever you wanted that year. Like if you could yeah. get to the point where you could run hard for 10 miles in a race confidently, like the world is yours. Go decide after that what you're going to do. But uh, getting to that 10-mile race shape or one hour or whatever it is for you, that's a really good place to sit. And now if I could get to that point, that'd be fantastic. I haven't been in 10-mile race shape in years. Yeah. I'm, and then, you know, if you're listening right now and you're like, I don't, I don't even know what my body would give me over an hour. I'm like, no way could I hold something and not hate my yeah. life for half of it or whatever it may be. Then I think maybe you you have more work yet to do with your running if you're not happy with your performances in whatever race avenue. Because even if you're a hybrid athlete and you're, let's say, running DECA, well, unless you're a world record holder, most people are taking 40 plus minutes at their DECA. Mm -hmm. Well, that's circling an hour. If you're a high rocks athlete, the best in the world are an hour. Well, you're probably 70, 80, 90 minutes plus. And then any deviation down to a 5K up to a marathon, like you're just in the middle. Yeah. In the middle, you're where you need to be. Could and, and what does that look like? Like if you're supposed to start and shoot, seven hours of training a week on foot, 50 plus miles a week, 50-ish, If you yeah. depending on how fast you are, how much vert's involved, but 40 to 60 miles, depending who you are, and six to eight hours of yep. time on feet, I would say would be probably circling the waters to start. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. The, the mileage is probably the only thing I would maybe push back on, maybe. But I think, yeah, we, we had talked. It's that yeah. seven to 10 hours. That's the range. If you want to say, I'm seriously training for endurance sports, seven to 10 hours of aerobic work is where you have to be. Mm-hmm. Even in my or best B shape, I was only running five days a week, but I was seven and a half hours on five 
days mm-hmm. with cross training supplement in there. So probably had me what nine or 10 hours when you added it all up yeah. with the cross training in there. But in my issue, I think I never surpassed seven and a half. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And my issue historically is that what I run is <laughs> upwards of 90% of my weekly volume. And so when I'm really fit, like let's say Colorado, for example, when I was doing, I was running 70 mile weeks, I was getting 10 to 20,000 feet of vert, depending on the the phase of the year. And that was it. I might have one day I did the bike on a recovery day, which is fine. That's 10-ish hours of running a week in the mountains. And now I get hurt and I do 30 miles a week, but now it's three hours of running. And it's also three hours of working out. And so I don't, and it's, it's, it's Mm -hmm. logical that you would just keep your volume the same and replace it with other things. And I've, I, I've missed that mark for years. I go, I ebb and flow my volume because it follows my run volume rather than I'm going to do seven to 10 hours every week. It's just, if I can run 10 miles or if I can run 70, like that's what I'm going to run. So ensuring that the training volume stays simple and steady is like, of course I should. And it's like, kind of like putting money in the bank. We talk about putting money in your fitness bank and doing it over years and having money to go back and withdraw from when you need it in a race or Mm -hmm. whatever, you know, every run or workout is money in the bank, money in the bank that you can always take out later. It's like you go run one mile and you put $1 in the bank, right? Let's just say one to one. We run a mile, we put a dollar in the bank. Well, let's say cross training doesn't work that way. Let's say time equivalent of one mile cross training only puts a quarter in the bank. Let's just say worst case scenario, it's still something going in the bank, you idiot. Like it's still progressing you towards the ultimate goal, albeit slower and not as directly effective. And I think it might work that kind of way, right? Maybe seven minutes of running equals your dollar, but seven minutes of cross training equals 45 cents. I don't know what it is, but like, it's still going in. Right. And Mm -hmm. you can just like, I know it's not the same and I know it doesn't feel like it's moving the needle as fast and as far and it's not, but it's still moving the needle. It's still depositing something, albeit maybe less bang for your buck. And if you can remind yourself of that, it's still there to withdraw. Once you can run as much as you want, you can access that money that you worked really hard to put in there. You're exactly right. Do you want 50% of something or a hundred percent of nothing? Like that's a, that's, it's an obvious statement, but I find myself always turning away from that from a cardio standpoint. So that's really, I mean, that's the gist of what I'm thinking about in training right now for myself, selfishly, consistency, frequency, run skill, run durability, and let machines build the rest of my engine. And then I'll graduate up to that. I'll get to replace those over time, but do not reach. Just take care of business every single day or twice a day for like three months. And then guess what? You're going to be way more fit than you thought. It's got to be confusing for some people to say like, don't reach and don't try too hard. We're saying in quotes while also like doing more. It's like very confusing, right? Like don't reach and you definitely don't want to get overexcited and try too hard. You don't want to be overmotivated, invest Mm -hmm. too much. And then get yourself into trouble or run into a dead end at the same time. It's We're also saying do more. It's a little cloudy. Yeah. But it makes sense to me. When I have a track record of being not durable, which is still crazy to me. Because I went 20, what, 7 years, 28 years 
without a single mate, without a single running injury ever. And so I just considered myself a durable athlete. I never missed time in any sport other than when I broke my arm being an idiot once. Like I did, I played through things. They went away. I healed while being active. That wasn't me. And so I refused to embrace a new way of training, even when the injury started. And finally, I'm to the point where I'm just like, I have to treat myself like I'm not a durable athlete. Like you just have to swallow your pride and say, you're not durable. Until you prove you're durable, you need to operate under a different set of rules. And it's a big ego blow. And it's mm-hmm. like, <laughs> it's like going bald. Like, I'm not a bald person. I work out. I have, I do sport. Like, no, like, who cares? Just you're bald. Who cares? Move on with it. That was a very quick process for me. Why did it take me so long to just say, you're not durable right now. So don't act like you are. Don't reach. Well, do you know what happened to me is I don't think I'd gone two years since high school, since my junior year of high school. I never went two years straight injury free without taking two months or more off at a crack. I'd go every Every year, every year and a half, every two years, something came up. It'd be in the middle of cross country season or it'd be, you got to get back quick. And so I would go and I would try too hard and I would reach and I'd get myself into really good fitness really quick and I would outkick my coverage. And then at some point I'd end up injured again in that mm-hmm. cycle, right? I, I tried too hard. I tried to overimpress. I rushed it. I rushed it. But this last, and that's just cycle repeated itself constantly, right? Mm-hmm. I, I didn't hold back because I felt the pressure of time to get ready to perform. And then my last set of injuries, which were two stress fractures in my feet, COVID happened and there weren't shit. And I didn't feel the need to go rip quarter mile repeats right away. And I felt like I could get on my bike and just go. And I was able, as much of a curse as COVID was, as a blessing. You know what happened? I'm three, almost three years healthy right now without a major break. And this is the least hard I've tried. It's the least rushed I've felt. It's, I've tried to impress nobody, including myself. I just followed, stayed on the highway. I had no reason to get off to do anything. And I, and I have, obviously, but I think like this wasn't by grand design. It was by dumb luck. It's the only reason I've stayed healthy is because I didn't overreach. Mm-hmm. And now here I am more durable over time, right? And I think that's kind of the sentiment that you're sharing yeah. with, uh, about your progression. Yeah. Yeah, that's Just it. eye opening. So that's all, everything. That's all that I'm thinking about in my own training right now. But you're at a crossroads with six, like you said, you got six streets all going off different directions. I want to hear all about it. Um, well, I think I've made my decision, actually. <laughs> oh. Uh, which road I was a week and a half, two weeks, a week and a half, two weeks ago, I was sitting at like the roundabout, which one to get off on, right? Like, do I just keep mm-hmm. going straight? Do I take a left, right or whatever? Um but I think I've come to the decision of my focus and it's because of my age. It's exclusively because of my age. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel a lot of pressure right now to appease either athletes of mine who want to see me do certain things or uh, listeners of the podcast chiming in like, dude, you got to do this or go show up and do this. Anything from people showing me master's road races to high rocks to, you know, things like that. What I haven't done, and I want to hear your take on this. Do I believe I could be a good hybrid athlete? hundred percent. I do. In my heart of heart, I think I could go and make an impact. I really do. I'll be humbled at first, but if I stuck it out by the end of the year, I think that I would be a player. I believe that mm-hmm. in my heart of hearts. Do you agree? You're strong, you're a good compromise runner, and you're a good runner. So yeah. Which are the components it takes? 
I also believe I could be a good marathoner if I focused on it through the end of the year, mm-hmm. for example, and swung at that. The thing I'm wa- I not I was waffling over is like I don't have a marathon time on the board yet. I know we had this conversation a month or a year ago or so. I don't really think I've explored my top 5k potential. I don't think I, if I don't do it now and then I decide when I'm 44 that I need to scratch that marathon itch. Mm-hmm. Am I leaving minutes on the table because of age and do I am I doing a disservice to myself when I look back one day, be like, yeah, it was cool. I went for high rocks and I took, and I made it to the North American champs or what I was seventh at North American champs with that. Or can I look back and be like, I explored my marathon or my 5k and I, I was able to do it while I still barely had it, the ability to, I went back. It's an easy decision. It's like, I don't have those labels on my resume. And if I were 30 completely different, let's go play with high rocks I'll, I can focus on the marathon when I'm 32 or four or five. doesn't matter. I have time. I actually don't have time. I don't have time. And so I think I need to, I need to pursue run metrics while I still believe I can before suddenly I look back and go, I can't access that fitness anymore, that speed. Or I thought I could run 225, but like it ain't in the cards anymore. My workouts are telling mm-hmm. me and I'm slowly playing that game. So I just landed on this like this week. And I don't know, you can talk me off of that ledge or so I don't know, but that's where my brain just went. And can I preface, I guess, real quick Yeah, is I firmly believe guys like Ryland Shattig who do it all, girls like women like Chris Roglowski who do it all, they're amazing athletes. And people say, Kirk, do it all. Focus on the marathon through spring and then focus on high rocks through next year's worlds and you can do it all. I don't think Rylan will ever know how good he is at one thing. I don't think Chris Roglowski has a clue how good she can be at one thing. I think they do it despite of it using your your frame or your your argument often, not because of it. And I think that doing it all is great. And like, it fills their when cup. When you're a 40-year-old man trying to... Right, and it fills their cup. There's nothing wrong with what they're doing. But what I'm saying is I don't think they'll ever know how good they are at one thing. And they pride themselves on that. But I don't want to be a jack-of-all-trades. That doesn't mm-hmm. appeal to me anymore. And so I just want to preface with that. Yeah. Well, we saw that you can be 41, 42, 43 and still be pretty darn near your OCR ceiling. We have 40, 42, 43 year old men who are top 10 in the world. We have, I'm blanking on her name right now. And I've been doing this more and more lately because I'm getting old and I'm always tired. Uh, There's a woman who's, I think, 54, (laughs) who's going to be competing at the High Rocks major in Stockholm tomorrow. 54 and she went across this 67 in a high rocks this year like in these sports that do not care about your speed your get up and go it is all about grindy and strength old man strength plays like you let's say let you're a 60 minute high rocks guy eventually with a few under your belt and some training what are you going to be at 43 like a 61 minute guy a 62 it, it it tells you you're not going to degrade that much. You may not PR or hit your PR you could have hit, but you're going to be close. But in a 5K, the difference between 40 and 43 could be 30 seconds, which in a 15-minute race is the difference between 1440 and 1510. 
You know, it's a different world on the track. In a marathon, yeah, I think you could do it through 43, 44. And when, when, I'm, when I'm saying this, there are going to be some people saying like, how dare you? That's not old. I'm PRing into my 50s, 60s. You're absolutely right. But Kirk ran college track. And so he's run the fastest mile he's ever going to run in his life. He's never going to touch that again. He's run the fastest 800. He's never going to touch it. He still can touch as fast as 5K, but because he set his by heart, his by heart, <laughs> his bar high <laughs> early, a little dyslexia there coming through. He said it oh, yeah. early. Ain't nothing wrong with that. He can't touch it at 45. And so the same thing's going to happen with your marathon because you're very fit now and you believe you can run 228 or whatever it is. Like Logan has that number. He's a 228 guy. He's going to take that to his grave unless he beats it like that. Your number is your number. And if you then someday run 235 at 45, that's really impressive, but it wasn't your number. You had a different number that you think you could have gotten. So I do support it. Spend an entire year, go after it because you can do high rocks at 42. You may not run a 1459 5k at 42. Maybe you do, maybe you don't, but there's no way you get faster each year past 40 at a highly anaerobic event. Yeah. Yeah. So you're supporting my thought process is what I'm understanding. It's yeah. What's the biggest part of high rocks? The, the single biggest running part is running and it's the sleds. Do the sleds yeah. care whether you're 40 or 43? They just really don't. Does your VO2 max care? It really does. <laughs> it really well, does. Well, and we lose, a, we lose our raw power percentage wise slower than let's say our run efficiency or metabolic capacity as we yep. get older. You may be just as powerful at 50 as you were at 40, very possible, but on the aerobic sustained output, I, it doesn't quite work that way. I feel like when you're talking pure run metrics, the hairs you're splitting around this age are much finer. There's a lot more mm -hmm. hairs to split in different ways. The, the hybrid hairs are more coarse, right? It's not as finite. Engine and power. I think I can be stronger at 45 than I am now because I'm not putting any emotional weight or time investment yep. into my strength right now. I'm doing the bare minimum for me. I could probably get 15 to 30 seconds slower per mile, but still race a high rocks the same because I'll make up for it with machine work and strength work and other stuff if I were to pivot and maybe be just as good. I don't know. But the Can't point being is anything like, in a 5k other than running. Right. And yeah. so I'm my weakest, I'm near my weakest I've been in years as far as max power output. Mm -hmm. um, so I know there's room, there's a, I'm not at my ceiling there as well. So I don't know, maybe I'm starting to talk in circles, but it was just more the age factoring into like, when am I going to look back and be like, yep, my best is now not an option anymore. My life best is not an option anymore. And yeah. it can't, it's got to be in the next few years, right? The next mm -hmm. five years at most. I'm going to look back and be like that. I should have, I should have, I should have tried harder at the 5k. Those mean more to me. And then I can play on the side streets later. So this is interesting, not funny to me, but interesting because like two weeks ago I was like, you Kirk, let's just do doubles next year together and then train for a single after that. And you're like, absolutely. It's just too hard I on know. me to train run volume all winter long where I live. It's just country roads or treadmill. And when it's negative 15, it's just treadmill. And I just don't want to run big volume and long flat workouts on the treadmill all winter. And then you come to the conclusion that 
this has to be my year of running fast, which brings me to the question, <laughs> how are you going to handle that this off season, knowing that it's the one thing you don't want to do this off season? I do a lot of things I don't want to do on a daily basis. <laughs> I'll just add it to the so, list. So you just add it to the list. I'm just going to suffer. I'm going to be a martyr <laughs> and everyone can get off my back about this marathon in 5k. Yeah, I don't know. See, that's why this is a roller coaster. That's why I just had this revelation that I needed to ask you or talk to you about. Mm -hmm. Because, yeah, two weeks ago, I told you, yep, I think I'm going to buy a ski erg and a new rower and I'm going all in. Mm -hmm. And then I just like do a 180. So I'm sorry. I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to, I'm a, you know, you, you helped guide the beginnings of this for me when we first started working together. But I am such a proponent of uphill work on the treadmill, mm -hmm. especially as I've gotten older that. I'll look ahead at the weather. I will pick and choose my days. You must go outside these days and your uphill quality session can happen on Wednesday when it's negative 20 and the wind's blowing. And I will just look ahead and I will curse under my breath the least amount possible by picking my days. If that means doing a long run on a Wednesday because the rest of the week looks like dog shit, then I think that's what I'm going to do. I think I'm going to just try to jerry rig it a little bit. I like it. And I think you can game it. You can start the off season with your quality sessions at 30% and every few weeks drop down 5%. Mm. And by the time it's spring, you've been running at 6% and 4% and it's not really even uphill on that treadmill anymore. And you can find your, all your speed sessions, your threshold sessions, every other one you can hit at your highest runnable incline, whatever that incline is that your form doesn't change. And so you, you can do a whole lot of different things. You can, you can just do that. Finally, that style we talked about, like if I were trapped like in a room with a treadmill for four months, how fit could I come out? You get to play that game. I get to test out engine is engine and you get to test out how big of a monster could I become with just a treadmill and maybe one outdoor run a week or two. I'll run more than that. I, I said twice a week, max I'll limit myself. So that's the rules I made in my brain. No matter twice how bad a week, it is. Max on a treadmill. Yeah. So I'll oh, that's not even bad on a bad weather week. It's just your quality stuff. Yeah, twice a week on the treadmill, the rest. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Um, okay, well, who knows? Maybe I'll change my mind in two weeks, but that's where I'm at as of today. And so then we know your path. So if you had to decide right now, is this a marathon off-season build that you will complete in spring or maybe like fly down to Arizona or Houston or somewhere late winter and run one and then sharpen to 5K? Or are you going to just do a big base build and then rebuild starting with a 5K Great in summer question. up to a fall marathon where you're really going after it? I'm going to start running more volume immediately. And I'll tell you at the end of December. Okay. How's that? I like it. That's what I'm, that's what I'm thinking. Uh, I'm entertaining spring. And if not, then it'd be the reverse order, like you said. Let's work on running fast and then build to the fall. But I tend to do well in the cold weather. I don't know if my body does well without all the mm -hmm. shit in the air from the summer. So I tend to have really good training blocks through winter and into those cold months where I could travel and pop a race. So that that's not a bad idea. But I really would love to talk about myself more, but I have to go. Well, there's always next week. <laughs> to go. <laughs> there's always next week. Uh, I hope our listeners got something out of this. Maybe they can do a little self-reflection on where their priorities lie and how to approach things moving forward. Yeah, for sure. They will. All right. Well, I'm already going to be five minutes late if I leave in this moment for my client. So I should probably, probably get rolling. And we're out. All right. Bye, guys.